recorded live. All right. So what is today? It is Wednesday, February 17th, 2016. And we're here tonight with Mr. Bob Schaefer. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing really good. All righty. I think tonight we're going to continue our information about right to travel. That's right. So, uh, anyway, why don't you take it away and just tell us what you want to tell us. Okay, well, while, while we were waiting to get on, uh, a lady called and asked her question. Let's, let's go back and, and, and cover that for, for everybody okay. else to hear. Okay, Bob, the, um, I was, my question had to do with the California Form 590 Withholding Exemption Certificate. It says, by checking the appropriate box below, the payee certifies the reason for the exemption from the California income tax withholding requirement made to the entity or individual. And then the first check uh, of, uh, option is individual certification of residency. I am a resident of California, and I reside at the address shown above. If I become a non-resident at any time, I will promptly notify the withholding agent. So that says that uh, that's on the, the FPB 590 form, withholding exemption certificate. So I was wondering about um, the term resident for that regarding that form and, with, and uh, exemption. <clears throat> okay, now, now that I heard you read that whole thing, I have a different answer than I gave you before we went on okay. the air. Um, they're talking about individuals and residences, and those are all um, taxable entities. We have the individual income tax form, and a, a, they they want you to to name yourself as a resident. That means you're you're a taxpayer, and okay. uh, you you don't want to go there. Um, one thing used to bother me, my, my mother used to, you know, she didn't know the meaning of words, and she'd answer the phone, Shaver's residence, and finally I had to sit her down and tell her, you, you, you don't have a residence, you don't have a home. See, the system has homes. They have old folks' homes and homes for the aged and, and homes for the delinquent. Uh, you have a house. I have a house. I don't have a home. And um, the words and their meanings are critical. So what you're bringing up here is, is, is critical. So if you're wanting to not be considered a taxpayer, then you would not want to sign that form. Uh, we'll probably have a, a meeting, uh, one of these conference calls on, on IRS one of these days that will uh, just shock you. Most people think, well, there's no such thing as a non-taxpayer. That'll just get you thrown in jail. No, it won't. Not if you have the right argument. So to answer your question, I would not file that form. In fact, I wouldn't even uh, uh, pay the tax. We, we have an offer to pay that just kills that because all governments are bound and all their agents and officers are bound by their oath of office to the Constitution of the federal government. First, it's the Supremacy Clause, and every state has a Supremacy Clause recognizing the federal Constitution as the supreme law of the land, and and all laws made pursuant thereto. Well, the Coinage Act of April 2, 1792 is one of those laws made pursuant thereto, and they're bound by that. 
that particular law is the only American law that ever defined a dollar. And we've talked about that in the past. We won't go through that again. But it, it's a, there are no more dollars. You, you, can, you can only go and buy um, this pneumatic coin, silver dollars, at a coin shop, but they're not available at the corner bank. And so we have an offer to pay that, that basically says, you know, gee, I want to get this cleared up. In other words, you're a good guy. You're a good person. You want to, I, I, I misused the word person there. You're, you're just a, a good human, and you want to get this cleared up. And you, it starts out that way. And it says, but I, I don't know what you're requiring me to, to tender as, as a payment. And <clears throat> the word payment is a key word. You haven't been able to pay for anything since the Coinage Act of 1965, which, brought, which devalued the silver certificate and made it not redeemable, and it brought in clad coins that aren't solid silver, and it just really cheated the people, but it, it kept you from being able to pay for anything because you, you can't pay for anything unless you pay for it with silver or gold. Coin. Now, you can discharge a debt, and that's what we've all been doing since, 1965, but I tell people you haven't bought a tank of gas or a sack of groceries or made a house payment since 1965. And I said this before, and I'll say it again because it's so critical. Uh, you, if you took a suitcase of cash into your lender to get your promissory note back, number one, they don't have your promissory note any, anymore. It's been sold, and they can't give it back to you. But they'll be happy to take your money and give you a, a document entitled mortgage discharge, we call it the D word. They don't use payment. It's not mortgage paid. You didn't pay your mortgage. You didn't pay your house off. You discharged the loan, which means they can't come after you, but you didn't pay for it because you discharged it with their money that uh, belongs to them, and they let you use it. We're talking about the Federal Reserve notes. So uh, I... uh, I'll say this on on the air. I haven't filed or paid state or federal in 36 years. They know who I am and where I am. I've lived in the same house for 42 years. I've been in the same business as a contractor in the same town and a bunch of towns in Southern California for 56 years. And I've been an unlicensed contractor for 36 years. I, I used to have four state contractor's licenses. I... I learned that I have a right to contract. I don't need the governmentally created privilege to contract. And if I do somebody wrong, they have access to me through the courts. We don't need the contractor's license board to, 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 it's just a way of controlling people. And so one of these days I'm going to be doing a seminar on showing people how to go into business for themselves without a license. And the basic, the argument there is, and I'll say it right now, um, every state has a minimum amount uh, of uh, money that you can uh, contract for without having a license. In California, I believe it's eight hundred dollars. It, uh, it, it might be up to a thousand now, but they'll tell you what that number is. Well, we don't charge dollars. Uh, <clears throat> I had a lady's check bounce for thirty thirty one hundred and fifty bucks, and the contractor license board guy came out. And he said, you can't contract without a license. And I said, I don't charge enough. I can, I can charge up to $600. And he, and he pulls out this contract from this lady who's checked out. And he said, well, here's $3,150. I said, because this was for earthquake stabilization on a 
on a double-wide mobile home, which I've done a lot of it without a license, by the way. And everybody's happy. Uh, so I said, well, show me the dollar sign on that. And he looked for it, and he said, well, it's not there. I said, I know the difference between a dollar and a Federal Reserve note. I said, define a dollar for me. So he reached in his pocket and pulled out a Federal Reserve note. I said, that's not a dollar. He says, well, it says a dollar on it. My answer was, well, if I wrote a, write a dollar on a piece of toilet paper, will that make it a dollar? <laughs> well, no. And I said, well, that's not a dollar. That's an evidence of a debt. It's a note. Just like a note on your house is evidence of a debt. That's evidence of the, the national debt. It's not a dollar. And then I quoted the coinage act of April 2, 1792, and he got up and walked out. <laughs> he had no answer for that one. There isn't any. I don't charge dollars. Boy, I would be happy to be able to charge in dollars, but, you know, right now they're 24 to 1. They were up to 32 to 1, but they're down now. So, anyway, that's uh, that's what I would do. I can't tell you what to do. I don't give legal advice. I'm not a lawyer or an attorney. I make this clear to everybody. But I tell people what I would do if I had their problem after my 37 years of of, of uh, reading my own 9,000 law books. I've not read them all, because so I never, never will be. But they're good research, and uh, I can just look up a lot of stuff. A lot of people say, well, why don't you just use the Internet? You know, you can go online and get that stuff. And my answer is, well, there's some big, I believe, they're going to close down the Internet or some big catastrophe is going to happen, and I won't be able to get online whether it's no electricity or what. I can go to my shelf. I've got the book. I can pull it off the shelf and do my research. I can continue. Now then, we'll get to the uh, the uh, traffic tonight, thing. All right, tonight's um, lesson on traffic. Yeah, the uh, I'm going to be reading a lot of case law here, and most of it will be United States Supreme Court decisions, which will be good in any state, wherever you are. There's there's going to be some California case law here, but you can find the same uh, issue in your own state with your own research. But uh, one of the things I've been preaching for a long time is that governments were put in place by us and our forefathers, the sovereign people, to to create a government that is uh, to serve us and to serve us well. They're supposed to make highways and bridges for us and and produce, you know, city parks and... um, a police department and a jail and a court system and a hospitals and all the list goes on and on. Um, and but not to control us. The only the only people that are controlled by the constitutions are the people who step down from their sovereignty for a few hours during the day and become a citizen person. At the end of the day, they go back to becoming a sovereign. All these judges and police officers and code enforcement people, <laughs> they're really surprised to figure, to find out that they're just as sovereign as we are when they quit their activity. It's the activity plus the contract that puts them up from the government, that puts them under the law. Until they're under the law, where are they? They're above the law. Now, nobody's above the the. Uh, or God's law, the Ten Commandments, or the laws of nature like gravity and hydraulics and and all that, and nobody's above the common law. The common law is unwritten law, and that's 
before any legislature sat down and said there ought to be a law against this or that, the common law had already figured that out. In other words, uh, when Cain killed Abel, uh, he violated the common law. In other words, we don't do that here. That's that's something that's bad in itself without any law saying it's bad. And so... <clears throat> When the, on July 5, 1776, there were roughly two and a half million subjects who were subject to the King of England and his laws. The, the next day, there were two and a half million sovereign Americans, sovereign American people. There wasn't a citizen among them. There's no citizens on July 5, 1776, because there was no government or corporation to become a citizen of. And so then those sovereign people way up there created a, a government down below them, and then some of those people stepped down and went under the laws to run the government. And they, by the way, they used to work for a dollar a year or, or for peanuts a lot less than they could in, in, the, in the real world because they were dedicated and committed to be a public servant, to serve the public. Today, you tell somebody he's a public servant, and he'll tell you, well, I think you got that wrong. And you do, because it's no longer what I just said. They are they serve the public entity. So when you see on the fender of a police car to protect and serve, they are there to protect and serve the government, not you. And that's because... In 1844, Congress allowed the law of the sea to come inland. Until then, the law of the land prevailed everywhere on, on, in America to the what they call the mean or average high tide mark on the coastline. Now, if it was a cliff that went down on the ground, straight into the ocean, then it didn't move back and forth. But if, if it was uh, a, a beach that, that was shallow and then it got deeper, uh, the main high tide mark was, was uh, it was a certain place, and but then when you had low tide, uh, we the people could go use the beach. We can use any beach we want to. From the mean or average high tide mar- mark out, three English miles belongs to the people, and the, the rich guy that owns an estate on the beach has to make a pathway or a way for us to get to our beach. Now, when we have high tide, then we don't have a beach, and he's got to, He's got all of his beach to himself, which is above the high tide mark. So anyway, the government is create, can only regulate and tax commercial activity. Well, here's two and a half million sovereign Americans that are, are have no no contracts with the government, so there's there's no tax available. Our government became the strongest nation financially on the world, collecting. Uh, impost duties and excise tax at the at the, uh, at the seaports, and then they started collecting uh, tax on interstate commerce. When you when, when you sell something from one state to the other, you went to a not a seaport but a port of entry. It's still a port. And then the airports came into view. Now we have spaceports, but the word port is key here. The the port is where they collect revenue not for the people out there on the land. But now we've, they've got everybody convinced that they're uh, they're in, involved in some kind of a privilege. Only, see, the term license is for an activity that would otherwise be illegal. 
And so then I ask you, well, why did you get a marriage license? When did a marriage become illegal? See, a lot of people don't, they just fall into place because somebody said they need this. In fact, the preachers and the judges that um, marry people, they won't marry you until you get a marriage license. So that's why there's a, a lot of people are going to common law marriages now. And then, of course, the system, the the law of the sea government system says they don't recognize common law marriages, but I've got tons of case law on that one. Okay, now we're, I'm going to start reading you some United States Supreme Court cases, and I'll give you the citation so that you can go look it up yourself uh, or use it if you want to. Um, the first one here is the activity, like I just mentioned, you know, until you enter the activity from the license, they have no authority over you. So here it says the activity licensed by the DMV in, our, in California, that's the Department of Motor Vehicles, is in connection with the individuals must submit personal information to the DMV. Is itself integral part to the interstate commerce. We're talking interstate commerce again. The Department of me, the Motor Vehicle Code pertains to commercial activity only. And that's in a, a Reno. The case is called Reno versus Condon, C-O-N-D-O-N. And the citation is 528. That's book number 528 in a set called the United States. And that's on page 141. That's a 2000, a year 2000 case, January 12, 2000. The Department of Motor Vehicles is a department within the Business and Transportation and Housing Agency created by the California legislature to regulate those businesses, which are licenses of the department and thus subject, subjects pursuant to the vehicle code. Now, this works in any, uh, all the other states. Your other states will have the same thing. And subject to the rules and limitations of the code and subject to enforcement penalties while so engaged. In other words, while you're in the activity, not after you're out of the activity. For malum prohibitive violations. Now, there's malum in safe um, violations, and that's, that's felonies. That's really bad. Malum prohibitive is just, well, you're prohibited from, you know, having a flat tire on your car in your front yard and having a tumbleweed there. So this, they're not bad. Malum prohibitive violations. But statutes as passed fail to comply with the one subject in its title rule. Now, here, this is um, a, 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 a authority that is good in all states. That's one and juror, that stands for American Jurisprudence, second set, section 32, under classification. The well settled rule that the state may classify persons and objects for purpose of legislation and pass laws applicable only to those persons or objects within a designated class. See, not, not the whole group, just a, a small part of it. Provided the classification is not arbitrary or capricious, but reasonable and has applied to statutes creating administrative agencies. These aren't even judicial agencies, they're just administrative agencies. You see, today's administrative agencies, they go out and cite people and prosecute them for crimes, and they can't do that. And you'll see here as we go on. In other words, the Department of Motor Vehicles only has the jurisdiction to regulate persons. That's, that's a key word. That's a privileged entity, a guy with a license. Uh, 
and motor vehicles engaged in commercial activity. And we'll read the definition of motor vehicle in a little bit because basically says it's commercial. In other words, my automobile is not a motor vehicle, and it hasn't ever been a motor vehicle. And uh, I travel all over America without a driver's license because I don't drive. See, the original term drive, I, I, I all of a sudden started to really love words and their means. You know, the original drivers were stagecoach drivers, and they would drive a set of a team of horses with a whip. They beat on them if they had to. They they drove them, and you can have a cattle drive. But they drove the cattle over to the railhead, and so a driver was somebody with a whip originally. Well, then they also had the horses turn to the right or the left, and so then when they started getting cars, they were they just went on them to uh, they were the driver. The guy was driving his car. Uh, because he was in control of it. See, in other words, the Department of oh, I regret that. Um, California Vehicle Code 6, 260B, which defines automobiles not for hire. Now, remember, we started out this talking about non-taxpayers. Well, there is other people, not persons, but people who get behind the wheel of their automobile, not for hire. I have not for hire on my on the left side um, front door window. And explained that such are exempt from the commercial regulations found with the rest of the vehicle code. You know, there's a lot of, I was a, a deputy sheriff for seven years. There's a lot of good guys working in police. They're totally unaware of what, what, uh, what I'm, I'm telling you tonight. And I'm getting ready to publish something and, and send it to them. And I'll tell you, it's going to kill their, their revenue generating because uh, for instance, the last time I was arrested, they were going to book me, but my secretary said I had him so intimidated, they decided to site release me. But, you know, they found my loaded gun, and they found, and they said I was driving with a revoked license, and I wasn't. I wasn't driving at all, and I don't have a license, not for 37 years. Well, they said they gave me a license, and they revoked it. <laughs> anyway, how this worked was, and I'm going to explain something that's totally unconstitutional. They do it all the time, a DUI check. Now, I'm the first one that does not want people out driving under the influence. I was an ambulance driver in my past, and I've seen what that ha what happens out there. But we have the Constitution that guides us. Now, if you see a drunk driver weaving all the roads, they're nailing. But until then, you don't set up a DUI. That's just a revenue-generating thing. They have 10 tow trucks sitting over there in a parking lot ready to find all kinds of evil stuff. And... Uh, so this, in this case was a uh, cone system where they funneled us down to one lane. When I got there, it said, short driver's license, uh, registration, proof of insurance. So I looked at the officer and I said, well, my car is commerce ready. Uh, my, excuse me. My automobile is commerce ready. It's licensed and it's insured. But because I'm not in commerce, I'm only a traveler. I do not have a driver's license. Well, the smart always said, well, then drive over there in the parking lot. Now, I've since learned that I wouldn't do that. I would say, no, thank you. I'm free to leave. You know, are, are, you trying to, are you trying to get me to uh, waive my Fifth Amendment right not to be a witness against myself? Is that what you're trying to do, sir? Anyway, I went over to the parking lot and things went downhill. <clears throat> and they searched my car without a search warrant. 
they found that I didn't have a driver's license and they cited me for two different things. And everything that they did show me is, is, is called fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. It falls under the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. So they can't prosecute me for it. But they think they can. Now, there was a whole lot of people that were losing their cars that night. They had no business stopping, stopping them and talking to them unless they had a Fourth Amendment warrant, particularly describing the person, place, or thing to be searched and seized. That's just the law. They took the oath of office to, uh, to, to follow that procedure. But that doesn't bring any revenue. And the city of San Bernardino is bankrupt, and they have to, they have to meet their payroll some way. And so this was the fast way to do that. Okay, here's another uh, case that is uh, a California case. And I believe you can use these California cases in any of the other states because we have several corporate states, the state of California, rather than the old original California state. <clears throat> and they all fall under the Act of 1872, which, which uh, incorporated Washington, D.C. as the United States, not the United States of America. And since then, they have created all these overlapping jurisdictions and counties. Like in my county, uh, it was originally San Bernardino County, and now we have the overlapping county of San Bernardino. And they have a charter, by the way. I finally found the charter, the 1912 charter for the county of San Bernardino. The 1853 county started was a constitutionally valid. In fact, our court, we have a courthouse at the San Bernardino Courthouse, then we have another one that says County of San Bernardino Courthouse. And then there's another one now that's just called the San Bernardino Justice Center. And I, I like to say it should be called the San Bernardino Revenue Center. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, it's all for revenue. And they switched us from judicial to ministerial or administrative. And they, those guys can all be sued. And I do it regularly, and they know it. And that's one reason they want to leave me alone. Okay, here's here's this case, uh, Sim, Simoff versus Goodman. It's uh, in book number 18 of California uh, uh, Appeals, page 5, and then on page 11 it says, the vehicle code of 1955 is unconstitutional as enacted resolution of the legislature of the state of California unless void in total. Vehicle code cannot be applied to any private business, traveler, motorist, or motorist, or motorists acting privately for another on the common highways or upon a chauffeur-operated motor vehicle, commercial in nature, engaged in commercial trafficking as a livelihood. In other words, it goes to all the stuff that they could have regulated, but because it was void in total, it was not. But yeah, a lot of people paid a lot of money because they, they of the ignorance of the people. If an act embraces two or more subjects, now this is critical, Two or more of the same express in the title, the whole act is void in total. See, a constitutionally valid law can only address one issue at a time. The vehicle code doesn't do that. It does all kinds of things. And the California Supreme Court in Lewis versus Dunn states, the act of March 8, 1901, that created the California Civil Code, Code of Civil Procedure, and uh, any other state code declared an act unconstitutional. Codes, rules, regulations, and statutes are not law, but are only color of law found unconstitutional and void for all purposes. Well, when, when did your uh, driver ed teacher tell you that? 
The United States Supreme Court upheld this decision and ruled that there are no constitutional safeguards for codes, ordinances, rules, regulations, and statutes. They could only be used in commercial contracts and have no force, no other force or effect of law. This applies to all states under equal protection clause of the 5th and 14th Amendments to the Constitution uh, of the United States of America. Now, here's another one. Um, We'll go back to the United States Supreme Court case. This is U.S. versus Mendenhall, book number 446, U.S. 544. Any stops, that that means arrests or detentions, by a peace officer for a civil matter, which includes traffic violations of the vehicle code, by the way, and without a warrant, like this DOI thing I was telling you about, must be by your consent. See, I gave him my consent. I said, I said okay, I went over here, read it, and say, I do not consent. No, thank you. For which proof of consent is required. Now, they see right there, they don't have a proof of consent in the record. They have to tell you, you have to give me permission. Any force used against you to detain you is a violation of the Fourth Amendment, U.S. Constitution, and a felony in violation of Penal Code 207, kidnapping, and Title 18. This Title 18 is a federal criminal, Section 1201, federal kidnapping. Okay, then coming down. In California, and you'll find this in all of those states, too, and you can use it under the Equal Protection Clause, California Penal Code 207A, every person, now that would be somebody with a governmentally created privilege, who forcibly or by other means of installing fear, steals or takes or holds or detains or arrests any person in this state and carries the person into another country, state or county, or into another part of the same county is guilty of kidnapping. And we just met, found out that that's that's a uh, felony. California Penal Code 209A, any person, that would be the cop, who seizes, confines, inveigles, entices, decoys, abducts, conceals, kidnaps, or carries away another person by any means whatsoever with intent to hold or detain or who holds and detains that person for ransom, reward, or to commit extortion or to exact from another person any money or valuable things or any person who aids or abets any such act is guilty of a felony. Now, they've even got offices now with, um, you can run your, um, with a credit card reader or a debit card reader. In other words, you're not going anywhere until you pay this bill to me. Or I'm going to take you over to the courthouse and you'll pay it over there. Well, that falls under this, this description. So you see, we hold their feet to their own fire. Uh, We use their laws against them. Now, I mentioned last week and somebody called me and wanted this case again, so it's a really good one. This is a $1,000 minute for every every minute that you are detained. $1,000 for every minute for an unlawful detention. Like, for instance, if they pulled you over without a Fourth Amendment warrant, that's when your minute starts. Uh, and this goes against the officer, by the way. 
and you can tell him, look, I don't want to see you you are get hurt any more than you're already getting hurt. But uh, you know, I can I can get a thousand dollars a minute from you for a little awful detention here. James C. and I'll spell it T R E Z E B A N T. And that's the case of Chazavan versus City of Tem- of Tampa. That's so a Florida case. Book number seven forty one, Federal. That's a federal book, federal second edition, page three three six. This is a nineteen eighty four case. So see, since nineteen eighty four, we could have used it, and most of us didn't because of our own ignorance. The jury verdict, let's see, he was unlawfully detained or arrested for 23 minutes for a civil traffic infraction. Civil traffic infraction. That's the key here. The jury verdict of $25,000 was in favor of the motorist who was unconsciously deprived of his liberty. In other words, if you're stopped or detained, you're a violation of vehicle code or any civil matter in this case, this this case law allows you to be compensated $1,000 per minute of detention. By the way, when you are pulled over and the officer wants to talk to you, you're being detained. A lot of people don't realize that when he puts ink on paper, when he starts writing your citation, at that very moment, you are under arrest, even though he doesn't say you're under arrest. Because the case law says when the officer hands the arrested person the notice to appear and the arrested person signs that means you're, you're, you're getting yourself out, off this uh, arrest by your own recognizance, and he's going to let you go. Otherwise, he could take you in, but you are under arrest. So, you know, if I do a, a talk and say, I want to see a show of hands of how many people in here have ever been arrested, not many people will admit it until I point that out. <laughs> then almost everybody's been arrested. <clears throat> then here's an, another one. So where a person is not engaged in some activity regulated and taxed, under a particular private statute as a case of vehicle code, the, the subject of the jurisdiction of the Department of Motor Vehicles, any act while using a private automobile for personal business and pleasure or private contract between private individuals is not subject to the police power of the state. So says the United States Supreme Court in Saylor versus Leger, L-E-G-E-R, that's in book number 403, U.S. page 365. And there's a lawyer's edition. Whenever there's a U.S., there's also a lawyer's edition site. So there's more than, if you can't find that, you can uh, research it that way. Now then, going to another one here. This is a good one. This, This is quoted a lot, especially amongst the patriots, because it's so good. Stump versus Sparkman. This is book number 435 in U.S., page 349. The arresting officer, the magistrate, the commissioner, and other government trustees are in violation of constitutional, statutory, which is legislative, and administrative laws, rules, ordinances, codes, and procedures. The arresting officer, the magistrate, and other governmental trustees are operating without the delegated authority and office. The arresting officer, the magistrate, the commissioner, and other government trustees are operating in a judicial vacuum. Some defendants argue that any 
seventy cents. I'm saying we should put for the word government defendants because the, they're getting sued here. Some government defendants argue that they act uh, any act of a judicial nature entitles the judge, magistrate, or commissioner to absolute judicial immunity. But in a jurisdictional vacuum, that is, in the absence of all jurisdiction, the second prong necessary to absolute judicial immunity is missing. They always, I've sued probably 20 judges in my years, and they always wow. try, uh, I'm immune, I have absolute judicial immunity. No, they don't. <clears throat> they conferred against the government the right to be let alone. Now, here's a really good one. Most of us just want to be let alone, don't we? Where there's a case law that talks about being let alone, the right to be let alone. <clears throat> and it says this is the most comprehensive of rights and the right most valued by civilized man. This is a United States Supreme Court case. Olmstead versus United States. Book number 277, U.S., page number 438. You can, and then it's, there's several other cases here that are from the United States Supreme Court. Uh, that first one was 1928, and I'll give you the, the newer one. Washington versus Harbor, book number 494, U.S., page number 210. That's a 1990 case that talks about our right to be let alone. Just leave me alone. <clears throat> now here's here's one. Infractions are not crimes; they're civil matters. This is People versus Battle. That's a California case in the, uh, book number fifty of the California Reporter, page six thirty six. Proceedings on infractions are not a- attended by the same constitutional safeguards as those attended by felonies or misdemeanor prosecutions. The limitation on the accused's right to trial by jury of infractions has restored constitutional effect upon the rationales of 1987. Legislature did not intend to classify infractions as crimes. They're just offenses. <clears throat> okay, uh, moving along here. This is another Supreme Court case. They're talking about gain, you know, We'll get to the definition of a motor vehicle talks about you're using it for profit or gain or fee or affair. Here's the definition from the United States Supreme Court. Gain. First, it is well-established law that the highways of the state are public property, that their primary and preferred use is for private purposes, for guys like Bob here, and that their purpose, their use for purposes of gain that means commercial purposes, is special and extraordinary, which generally at least the legislature may prohibit or condition as it sees fit. And that's Packard versus Benson. And that's in book number 264, United States, page 140. And there's a whole list of others that cited that case. By the way, when, when you get into researching, you should learn about uh, shepherd citators where you shepherdize a case and you, when you find a case that you really like like what I'm sharing with you right now you can go there and you can find a lot of cases that are quoted you know more recent cases that are quoted they quote those old cases and you might find that a case has been overruled you know there's a lot of people that want to overrule Roe Ro versus Wade 
and it might happen someday. Well, you'd find that out in shepherd psychators. Um, you'll find that they they quote others or they enhance. You might find one that enhances the one that you already have, and say, "Oh, this is even better." Yeah. Uh, and you find out where they were all quoted. Now, <clears throat> here's one here. For a while, a citizen has the right to travel upon public highways and to transport his property thereon. The right does not extend to the use of highways, either in whole or in part, as a place for private gain. For the latter purpose, no person has a vested right to use the highway of the state but is a privilege or a license which the legislature may grant or withhold in its discretion. In other words, um, you can't use the my, see, we call it the public highway, I call it my right of way. In fact, you know, as, as, a, uh, as a general contractor and investment, uh, when I do a, uh, a flat plan, I have to show the road as a right of way. And sometimes you own to the middle of the road. In fact, most of the time you do. And so they can't control your use of your right-of-way. Now, here's an important one. We're talking about, we talked earlier about drivers. Um, Before we get to that one, I'm going to read the California Vehicle Code 260B, and it talks about the same thing. And you can find this in your own vehicle code. You just have to go buy one, some some um, departments of motor vehicles uh, give away or they're really cheap, you know, like seven bucks and you get a big book. Automobiles that are not engaged in any commercial activity are, in fact, exempt from registration. An automobile only has to be registered when transporting people or property for hire and or compensation and doesn't have to be registered to transport yourself, your family, or personal property. So you see, I'm not really a kook. I'm I'm just doing what uh, what the law says. Now here, here's another one: exemption from driver's license. Operator. See, the term operator is is, is equivalent to the word driver. <clears throat> if you go into a restaurant, they might say on the door, "Hours of operation." That means hours of commercial activity. <clears throat> you go to a surgeon, he does an operation on you. That's a commercial thing. The word operator shall, that means mandatory, include all persons, that's privileged entities, firms, associations, and corporations. It didn't say anything there about humans or the sovereign people at all. Who operate motor vehicles, there's the term operate, and the term motor vehicles upon any public highway or actually right-of-way in this state and thereby engaged in the transportation of persons, of privileged entities, by the way, or property for hire or compensation, but shall not include any person, firm, association, or corporation who solely transports by motor vehicle persons to and from or to and from attendance upon any public school or solely transports his or her or its own property or employees. I could I could go get my employees in my automobile. That's not a motor vehicle. Or both. And who transports no person or property for hire or compensation. This is in the Statutes of California, June 23, 1923, Chapter 4, excuse me, 341, Section B. 
page 706. Law enforcement has only authority to impound vehicles engaged in commercial activity. Only if the license has been suspended or revoked for failure to pay tax. I'm I'm, I'm helping a man in Arizona right now. Uh, his daughter's automobile, was, she loaned it to somebody and they did an illegal stop and then they seized it. And now they're trying to invoke forfeiture laws on it because, I don't know, maybe there was, I think he told me there was uh, some scales. There was, there was drug paraphernalia, but no drugs there. And she didn't know it. She, she loaned it to somebody that was going to show it to her friend that was going to maybe buy the car. And so she's completely innocent. No evil intent involved. And yet they're going to go get a judge to give title to the state, maybe. But this is a, this is way, a way around that. And there are statutes uh, over there that do the same thing. Statutes of California, statutes of the large 53rd session, chapter 944, section 11, page 2656. The impounding of vehicles. The board, that would be the vehicle board, because, you know, see, the motor vehicle department is the one you have a contract with if you have the license. And you're still not under their, their law until you enter into the activity. Remember, it takes the two things, the contract and the activity. So here we go, the board or its duly authorized representatives, now that could be a court, maybe, may impound the vehicles of an operator whose license has been revoked and who shall continue to engage in the transportation of persons or property for hire or compensation after having been duly notified by the board of such revocation and may retain possession of such vehicle until all taxes, interest, and penalties due from such operator and all costs incurred in connection with the impounding or storage of such vehicle have been paid. This lady was not engaged in any of the above. So it doesn't apply to her and her automobile. Now, here is a a uh, Galvin versus Superior Court. It's a California where they, somebody sued the Superior Court. A com, it, let's see here. A traffic officer or peace officer acting outside his scope and duty of peace officer must first make a determination. I've been saying this for years. When you pull somebody over, officer, you better make a determination if this, if this uh, is, is you know, under your authority. Here's so. He must make a determination as to whether a stop vehicle is of the type required to be registered and use tax is currently required and paid before acting to the harm of the individual. Unless the automobile was displaying a DBA or a DOT or a state tax ID or a federal tax ID and the officer knows that the automobile was engaged in commerce, there we have the activity, transporting people or property for hire and compensation or profit, then the officer has no authority to make the stop or the detention. Most of the people he sees on the road, he has no authority to talk to them. That's just as simple as that. Yet they do it all the time. They make a lot of money because of the ignorance of the people. California Penal Code 17A, a felony is a crime that is punishable with death by imprisonment in the state prison 
or notwithstanding any other provision of the law by the imprisonment in the county jail under the provisions of Subdivision H of, of Section 1170. Every other crime or public offense is a misdemeanor except those offenses that are classified as infractions. See, felonies are really bad. Misdemeanors you can go to jail for. There's no jail with infractions. They're not a crime. The license and infractions are civil contracts. They're not criminal. <clears throat> Clearly rules under Thompson versus Smith case precedents, the right of a citizen to travel upon the public highway and to transport his property thereon either by carriage or by automobile is not a mere privilege which no government may prohibit or permit at will, but a common law right to which he has under the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, which is, of course, the uh, Declaration of Independence. By the way, we're talking traffic here and automobiles, but this all these stuff goes into any civil case, like code enforcement. Those, this applies to code enforcement officers. Neighbor makes a complaint, but he's not damaged. He just doesn't like the fact that you have a horse, uh, and he makes a complaint, and one goes downhill from there. And yet, you have the right to face your accusers, but he won't show his face, and the prosecutor says, well, now I'm the, the accuser. Okay, now here's another uh, Supreme Court decision. Soledad versus Cook County, book number 506, United States, 56, page 56, and then on page 61, says the Fourth Amendment protects unreasonable interferences in property interests, regardless of whether there is an invasion of privacy. See, there's two issues there. It could also include invasion of privacy. At page 62 to 64, in uh, book number 113, Supreme Court set, uh, page 538, although lacking a privacy component, the property rights, got to turn the page here, in both instances, nonetheless, were not disregarded, but rather were afforded Fourth Amendment protection. A seizure conducted without a warrant per se is per se unreasonable. Like this, this lady over in Arizona where they seized the, her car because somebody else was, was using it. A seizure conducted without a warrant is per se unreasonable under the Fourth Amendment. So these people violated the Fourth Amendment. Subject only to a few specifically established and well-delineated exceptions. The burden is on the government to persuade the district court that a seizure comes under one of the few specifically established exceptions to the warrant requirement. This is in United States versus Hawkins, uh, book number 249, Federal 3rd Edition, page 867. This is the Ninth Circuit. So, you see, Arizona is within the Ninth Circuit. It was a 2001 case. Now, here's a, here's a, uh, important. This is a California penal code, and all states have something similar to this. It says magistrates. See, a lot of people don't realize there's a difference between a magistrate and a judge. This human, actually, is a person, 
because you've got a governmentally privileged office or agency, and it could be a female. This, if the magistrate is different than a judge. <clears throat> magistrates, the following persons are magistrates, and they use the right word here, persons. <clears throat> this is in California Penal Code 8808. <clears throat> so the following persons are magistrates. Actually, they could say could be magistrates. Um, the judge of, a Supreme, of the Supreme Court, the judge, judges of the Courts of Appeal, the judges of the Superior Court. Now we're going to quote here. In short, it was held that when a judge of a Superior Court is exercising the function of a magistrate, in other words, he's wearing a magistrate hat, not a lot of judges have, he is not clothed with the power of law. The law confers upon him when sitting as as a judge of a superior court. That's People versus Bright, Book Nine, California Second Edition, page six sixty six. A judge sitting merely as a magistrate in a criminal proceeding does not have the same inherent power as he does in sitting as a court or a judge. And by the way, he's liable. Then penal, California Penal Code 807 says the magistrate is an officer of the court only having the authority to issue a warrant for a person charged with a public offense, may not make any decisions or issue any orders in any proceeding. Magistrate is there only to make sure the court is proceeding in a lawful manner. Now, if you get arrested, what I always do, and that's very rare that I do, but I demand to be taken before the nearest, most accessible magistrate because he is there for this purpose. He is there only to make sure that the court is proceeding in a lawful manner. So you can talk to the magistrate and you say, look, I'm not in Congress. This guy doesn't know the law. He's displaying his ignorance. Or besides that, in California, he doesn't have an oath of office, so he's just a state person. He's impersonating an officer, uh, as, as is, by the way, the magistrate, <laughs> too. <clears throat> California Vehicle Code 2400B says the commissioner shall enforce all laws regulating the operation of vehicles and the use of the highway when engaged in commercial activity. See how commerce is through all this stuff? The transportation of people or property for higher compensation and profit. The commissioner has no other force or effect of law. Next one here talks about the inferior court without jurisdiction, which is most of them. An action by the Department of Motor Vehicles, whether directly or through a court of sitting administratively, as the hearing officer must be clearly defined in the statute before it has subject matter jurisdiction. By the way, there's four different kinds of jurisdictions. I'm breaking away here. There's subject matter jurisdiction. If they don't have subject matter jurisdiction, they don't have the other three. The other three are in personam jurisdiction. That's jurisdiction over persons, not the people. Then there's in rem jurisdiction. That would be power and authority over the thing, like the car. And then there's venue jurisdiction. So this judge has authority in this whole county or in this half of the state. 
If they don't have subject matter jurisdiction, they have absolutely no jurisdiction because they are in the clear, total, and complete absence of all jurisdiction and liable. Stump versus Parkman. I just pulled that off the top of my head. Anyway, uh, this case that I just read you is Doolin, D-O-O-L-A-N versus Carr. That's book number 125, U.S., page number 618. I'm going to the next page here. Here, California Vehicle Code 12,801.5e. Notwithstanding Section 4300 or any other law, a peace officer shall not detain, arrest, or arrest a person solely on the belief that the person is an unlicensed driver. <laughs> you know, like... They'll pull you over for uh, a cocktail light, and then they find out you don't have a driver's license. They write you up for a misdemeanor, no driver's license. They don't write you up for the cocktail light. Well, the, the driver's license was put in the poisonous trade doctrine. They can't prosecute that, so that's your defense. Though. That would be called an affirmative defense. Um, the elementary doctrine that a constitutionally that the constitutionality of a legislative act is open to attack only by persons whose rights are affected or by applies to statutes relating to administrative agencies. And they're all administrative agencies now. It's code enforcement, all that stuff. The validity of which may not be called into question in the absence of a showing of substantial harm, actual or pending, to a legally protected interest directly resulting from enforcement of the statute. Now, that's where you're dealing with code enforcement or traffic stops. This is the Board of Trade versus Olson, book number 262, U.S., page 1. You know, we're, I've got so much more here. Let's go to Q&A right now, and we'll pick this up next week. There's a lot more good stuff there. Okay. Um If anybody has a question for Bob, hit star 8 on your phone. Star 8. Chirp, chirp. Raise your hand, and there we go. Uh, Washington State, you're first. Hello, Bob. Thank you for doing this. I really, really enjoy listening. I'm sorry. Um, No, we don't allow crackpots. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I will. So, anyway, the question I have is, do you have a website where all of these citations and these book and page and all that stuff is there um, so that it would be easy to go and reference them? No, I don't. I'm, I'm, I've been so busy. I help people with their foreclosures. I just work 14 hours a day, and uh, I'm almost 75, and I... I'm writing a book, and it'll be in the book. All this stuff will be in the book. But okay. Right now, right now, you can go back in the archives that Ted has pervaded, uh, sure. has, has built, and make a recording of it, and you can stop the tape and write down your citation and then go look it up. Sure. That would Some be fine. Some people record everything, and they listen. They, they re-listen to these things over and over and over. They just go to work. 
Yes, exactly. Travel to work and travel home. Yeah, and one other question I have. Um, Does this work in Canada? Yes, Canadian Canada has laws too. You just have to research their laws. Yeah, okay. Because I go to Canada almost daily. I'm up at the very tip of Washington State. The first thing you want to do in research, the very number one first thing, if you're going to want to know the laws in a certain area, go to their constitution. That's book number one, and read it. And and after you've listened to my my talks, you'll start seeing words that didn't jump out at you before, like the word person. Right. All the all the codes, ordinances, statutes, statutes of law they use the word person. They're all to regulate those people who step down from their sovereign status and standing to become a citizen person for the for eight hours that day or ten hours and then they go home and become a sovereign. So all those laws relate to them and it says it clearly, all persons shall. For instance, in California the one they like to cite me on and I beat it every time is twelve thousand five hundred A of the California Vehicle Code. Which says all persons who drive a motor vehicle shall be licensed. Right there is Four problems in the first sentence. I'm not a person. I don't drive anything. I especially don't drive a motor vehicle, so I don't need your license. Right. Now, here, here's something that should be plugged in right here. It goes right along with what we're talking about. When an officer cites you at the curb, he cites you on a notice to appear or a promise to appear or a traffic citation. That's the title of the document. Mm-hmm. And he'll just say, this doesn't say that you're guilty. It just shows, you sign right here, it just says that I gave it to you. And, mm-hmm. and, they, and they want you to say, no, you promised something. Well, first of all, the notice to appear, promise to appear, or traffic citation is nothing more than a witness observation. It's his little report. It doesn't, mm-hmm. have, it doesn't comply with the essential element rule which they have to use for what's known as a jurisdictional granting document. In other mm-hmm. words, the court, the court, there's absolutely no jurisdiction from this document. But they skirt all the, 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 the costly things that bring a court jurisdiction because they know they can trick the average man on the street to going in and, and sitting there and getting embarrassed and paying over there. I mean, right. they stand in line to make deposit at that window. Nobody ever makes a withdrawal. It's all deposits. And the, the line could be 200 feet long. I've seen them. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the ignorance of the people, probably 5% of, uh, of that line are drivers mm-hmm. or operators of a motor vehicle. Everybody else are sovereign people that just got sucked in because of their ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't quote scripture a lot, but there, uh, Daniel 7.25 says, um, no, I'm, I'm, Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for... Uh, ignorance, for mm-hmm. lack of knowledge, for lack of knowledge. And that's where I fell until 37 years ago when I started studying law. I was happy running my crew of 28 people, running my four-state contractors licenses, producing goods and services to my community until mm-hmm. all of a sudden I got stepped on. And then I started studying law, and I got real serious about studying law because I mean, they tore down my hotel. I had a beautiful historic hotel with my dad as my 50-50 partner. And they sold my home that I bought from my parents. I raised my children there, and I was raised in that house. For a sales tax, I didn't owe. Now, 
the and neither did my corporation. Mm-hmm. I could I could have beat both of those if I had the knowledge that I have right now. But I lost my hotel. I just don't buy the the parking lot that is there now. It was a beautiful Spanish architecture called the Hotel California. It was just one of there was five Hotel Californias. The other one, one of the others, was where they did the song on Hotel California. But I mean, I own 1.1 acre in downtown San Bernardino on the corner of Main Street and Route 66. You can't get any more downtown. They destroyed a 1.3 million dollar net worth that I shared with my dad on that property. And so that's why I got serious about studying the law. But, now, how um, do, how, I have one question on this then. They want you to have a, a, a license plate on your car. And um, I know the lady last week said she doesn't have one now or she took hers off. Um, and it's, it's a pain in the ass dealing with them stopping you a lot. So what do you do? You just take the plate off the car and you... Um, make a notice to them that you're no longer going to use it? Well, I'm going to work on that in the future. Right now, I'm too busy to to do this every other day, so I have current plates on my automobile. Uh-huh. And so uh, for years, I, I didn't. And I had, uh-huh. a sticker, I had a sticker in the window, and uh, and, they, and I, I was not stopped a lot. But... You know, I can beat all these things, but there's just more important things for me to do. Sure. Um, one, I I have to, I take pictures of of these uh, license plates that people have, and I'm going to do that someday too. But uh, the best thing, if you can get somebody to make a license plate that says "Not for Hire," and and then uh, below that, "Not Operating in Commerce." That mm-hmm. would be the first step to probably not get stopped. Okay. Now, here's another thing people do. They'll, they'll contact the Department of Motor Vehicles and say, I want my uh, certificate of origin on that car, because they're holding it. Mm-hmm. And the certificate of origin is the ownership. I mean, when I had my RV factory, I built 35 recreational vehicles, and I had to create a certificate of origin to give to my dealers. And uh, mm-hmm. well, they have, they're holding the ownership. And then when mm-hmm. somebody buys it, they send that to DMV. The DMV owns the car. You get to use it. Right. As long as you keep paying them the fee. So you want to get the certificate of origin back. So you just call them and say, I'm I'm um, moving my uh, my automobile to a different jurisdiction. And mm-hmm. I need the I need the certificate of origin to present to that jurisdiction. Well, that jurisdiction is the cop on the street, so you mm-hmm. can show him. Hey, I'm the owner. Here's the certificate of origin for this automobile. I'm not in commerce. Mm-hmm. So you know that's what I will eventually do. I'm, I'm not suggesting anybody else do that. That's just what other people have done. I'm I'm making a report here, I'm not giving any legal advice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me right. finish. Uh, on your, we talked about the, the stop. The 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 notice to appear is not a jurisdictional granting paper because it doesn't comply with the essential element rule. The essential element rule says that they not only quote the law that you violated, number and title, which is all that you put on a notice to appear, but they have to quote the whole law verbatim, like. All persons who drive a motor vehicle shall be licensed. Until you know what that law says, you don't know how to pick it apart. 
and defend yourself and create a, a defense. So mm-hmm. the, 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 the complaint, which we're getting to next week, that they have to have, and then they have to find you and serve you with this formal verified complaint, it has to have the law spelled out in verbatim. But right. there's another thing they have to have, and that is the sandwich between the, the law title and number way up at the top, and then below is the verbatim quotation of the law itself. They have to put in what's known as the enabling clause, which tells you who passed that law and when. This law was passed by the legislature, the Senate, and the Assembly on this date. That's called the enabling clause. Right. And guess what? No code, ordinance, statute, rule, or regulation has that. Only the constitutionally valid laws have that. So right there, this is not a law. It's a color of law. Okay, next question. Okay. Uh, we got somebody on the board that wants to know if you have your fee scheduled recorded at the county. Do I have what? Your fee schedule recorded at the county, you know, your thousand dollars a minute. Oh, you could do that. You could you could uh, give them all notice that you're, you know, if they're messed with you, that you're going to be getting a thousand. But you, you know, a lot of the county recorders years ago they record anything. Now they they say, well, we can't record that. That's not one of the documents that we can record. All right. So we'll go to Northeast California. You're next. All right, California, your phone just unmuted. Go ahead. Okay. Never mind. Minnesota, you're next. This is um, Sharon from Minnesota. Hi, Sharon. Hi. And I have a question for Bob. Um, Let's see. I'm going to be going to a jury trial, and I have four counts against me. And they're using, um, let me see, let me read my question I wrote down. It says, um, what would you recommend I say to the prosecutor or the jury contesting probable cause as a lawful cause of action. I, I heard it, everything except the uh, contesting. Why was that? Well, they keep telling me they have a probable cause. And what was the, what's the probable cause? Um. It's well. There's four counts, um, four charges, and one is motor vehicle registration. I didn't have one, and it and it says dash intent to escape tax, and they're counting that as a gross misdemeanor. And then count two is unregistered. Let's see. I didn't have a motor vehicle registration with me. And then count three is no driver's license. And then count four is um, 
no proof of insurance when okay, operating. I've got a whole bunch of arguments good for you. Now, when did you say you're going to have to do this? I went to an omnibus hearing already, and then they moved it to a jury trial. Did they have uh, employee? That's Everything you just said, say it again, please. Okay, I I went to an omnibus hearing, and then... Um, he wanted me to enter a plea, and I said I didn't did not want to enter a plea. And he said he would enter one for me, and then he moved it to a jury trial. Okay, here, here here's what I would do: I would file documents to say I reject a jury trial. I demand okay. I demand a trial by jury. I want a Seventh Amendment guaranteed and secured trial by jury for the jury judges both the law and the fact. I don't want a jury trial where the judge judges the law and the jury judges the fact. Those are totally controlled. You want, And you want people from your neighborhood. See, you look, you look up jury trial and they are people from the neighborhood, people who n- might even know you. For a trial by jury, if, if they know you or, or well, if they're out of there, this is the way they can control the jury. So you want okay. to demand. Now, what I'm doing is I'm helping you set up an appealable issue. Um, okay. you, you ask him, say, say if after he says, okay, we're going to give you a trial by jury, he might say that to try to trick you. Then you okay. say, if I don't like what happens with my jury, can I appeal it? If he says yes, you can say, then that violates the Seventh Amendment. The Seventh Amendment says the trial by jury is the last word. We can argue on with our life. We don't have to be appealing stuff for 10 years. So, you know, I want the record to show I object. You want to object to everything. Object to every other sentence. Okay. You don't even have to have a reason. If you just don't like it, just object. You can think of a reason later. Failure to object timely, and I'm quoting the case law now, failure to object timely is fatal. There's a, a Supreme Court Justice Warren Berger made the statement that 95% of the people in prison today are there through admissions and confessions. Oh. It's fa- failure to do stuff at the right time, too. So now, okay. uh, the, all the stuff that we quoted tonight and next week is right, right up your alley. I just quoted all this case law from the Supreme Court that says everything you're accused of doing is okay to do. You are not under the law. The DMV, your, your Department of Motor Vehicles, is not prosecuting you. They're the ones that have the contract. If you had a license, but you might not have a license, so that's okay. So you don't have the contract and you weren't engaged in the activity. So why are you why are you bothering me? I would, here's another thing I would do, and I'm not suggesting you do it. I would sue everybody in sight right now, from that, you know, within hours. They said, okay. you know, Vince, Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, made a statement that's good for the football field, the battlefield, and the courtroom, and that is the best defense is a good offense. So everybody is, they're all violating the law, but they're doing it with a straight face and they're putting you under a lot of stress and pressure, which you don't need. And there's a lot of people that have 
diseases and these stresses make the disease even worse. The stress will kill you. And they know it. And they just want you to pay over there and get in line and be one of the subjects. Right. You're doing everything right, but yet they can can win if you don't take care of business. Okay. Okay. Um, Because when they stopped me, they stopped me because I had, I kind of had a homemade plate on my car that had some made-up number. uh, And then it said, and I and it had Commonwealth of America for the instead of a state, and then underneath the numbers we had um, printed private man without commerce, not for hire. So they stopped me because of the plate I had, and then they arrested me and put me in jail. How long were you in? I was in for um, two nights and three days. So you need to figure out how many minutes that is. Okay. And, then that, and then plus $1,000 per minute, and then you want to assume under RICO, which is like extreme influence and corrupt organization, where you get double damages. So that's $3,000 a minute. Oh, okay. Look, you contact Tad and give him your information, and I want to help you. Okay. Okay, I appreciate that, Bob, because I do need help. <laughs> I know. Do you know how Everybody to contact does. me? Pardon? Do you know how to contact me? Um, I think my husband does. He usually listens to everything. Okay. But, it's, you have the right .com. You have to right. search around at the bottom for the uh, contact button, or if your husband got the notice for the call, he can just simply reply. Okay. But what I will need from you, and other people can hear this, I'll need you to scan all the paperwork and put it in an attachment. Okay. And um, then then I can know exactly what to do. Okay. We will do that. And then let me say this. I'm going to help you for free, but if somebody out there has some extra money that wants to help me, Pay my bills. I can't pay my bills when I do everything for free. But I, I can't. You know, I just want to help so many people. They can uh, make a donation through chat. Okay. But, but you, I, I will not charge you anything. Okay. All right. Um, All right. Thank you thank so you. much. There, there was, yeah, there was um, one of our great founding fathers. I think it was Benjamin Franklin. Made a kind of a cute statement. I, I like it. Says so we will hang together or we will hang separately. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna hang. Okay, okay. So if anybody else has any questions, hit star eight on your phone. Star eight. Otherwise, this might be the end of the call. Okay. Well. I guess nobody else has any more questions. Star 8, final call. All right, Bob, that looks like it's it, that uh, nobody else has any questions. Okay, we'll pick up where we left off next week. All right, Bob, thank you very much for joining us, and everybody, we'll see you again next week. Good night. Good night.